0: I oh, was sorry to hear about your mother's death, Jim, Mr. Smith, I understand she was a good woman. Christian woman. Not a religious man myself, I'm sorry to say. But I will say this. If God has seen fit to bless you with this gift, you should use it. Bless me? You know what God did for me? He threw an 18-wheel truck at me, bounced me into nowhere for five years. When I woke up, my, my my girl was gone, my job was gone, my legs are just about useless. Bless me. God's been a real sport to me. <laughs> uh, sorry, guys. I'm just laughing at Trevor, as I usually do. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. Um, well we kind of randomly picked these films uh, here and there or something we haven't seen in a while we want to talk about but it was it's actually a fluke that we're doing back to back king I, and I didn't think about it when we picked these two so it's it's funny where how much i guess we like king yeah <laughs> for the most part uh today we're talking the 1983 film Dead Zone and now this is the time where Stephen King became was becoming the go-to man um, with his books and with obviously with his adaptations uh, he at this point in time king had Carrie under his belt as a film Salem's lot is the miniseries and the shining uh, christine was coming, came out the same year as this one did i believe and cat's eye and children of the corn were coming mm-hmm. so he was he was the go-to for studios if he needed some new material now, Dead Zone was written in nineteen seventy nine, and it was Stephen King's first number one bestseller, even over The Shining and other other stuff that I just recently went over. Dead Zone was act. Ax- this is probably because he finally got some street cred because of Carrie, because of Salem's Lot, and maybe because of The Shining. People went to the bookstore to buy the Dead Zone.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I suppose King sort of really. Was one, certainly at least at very least one of those back uh, during that period late seventies and um, early eighties that really sort of kicked off that horror boom? You know the the horror literature boom. Um, you know when you know you yeah, what had guys like Peter Straub as well. You know Graham Masterton, Ramsey Campbell, you know and Bran Lumley, quite a few others. But K- the, the, this was around the period when King had really cemented himself as like the number one guy, horror guy in terms of, um, you know, basically, obviously, literature and novels and stuff, but um, also as uh, the go-to guy for Hollywood, for horror.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Peter Straub, and a couple other authors were coming. Um, I mean, I really do think, besides some of the romance crap you got, you know, the Jackie Collins kind of stuff, I think King, I and mean, you had, obviously, obviously other books be made adaptation like we, we talked about psycho and we talked about yeah, Robert his, Block uh, yeah. to kill a mockingbird all these grapes wrath all these you know uh, dickens all these films you know but king i can't think of another author who was consistently writing books that were getting bought right away the minute before probably even before they were ever written and Bought by a studio. He is,
1: he he has been throughout his career extremely prolific, uh, and still is to this day. You know, uh, th- there's many um, horror authors um, out there still going strong um, that are like him, um, such as Ramsey Campbell, for example, Graham Masterton. However, um, with King, um, he's always been, you know, the guy that the studios went to, to to make film adaptations of his work, as uh, not so much with the likes of. Um, you know Ramsey Campbell. There were a couple of Spanish film adaptations of his work, and um, you know Master as well. There was at the the Mantatow. Um, you know. But um, King was really the go-to guy for Hollywood.
0: Um, well, yeah, Philip like K. Dick would be up there. I think. Um, I don't think he was a household name really, um, and his were more novellas. I think I don't think they are actually books. Yeah. But. All right, yeah. So here we are with Stephen King's nineteen eighty three. I haven't, I haven't, re- I haven't seen this film in a long time. To be honest with you, I totally forgot. It's a pleasant surprise that w- this was produced by the late, great Deborah Hill, yes, John Carpenter's partner uh, for a- quite a while there, and uh, so it's nice to see her name on the on the uh, opening credits. I was actually
1: surprised. Oh. I mean, I've I've seen this quite a few times over the years, but I was actually i have forgotten, and it was actually it was a pleasant surprise to see her name pop up on the credits when watching it for the podcast here.
0: Yeah. And another name that popped up was an 80s screenwriter called Jeffrey Mm Boehm. And sadly, he died very young. Yes. But in the 80s, he wrote Ghost Writ, Lethal Weapon. Mm -hmm. Wrote Lethal Weapon 2 and 3. He wrote Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. He wrote Space and he wrote *Lost Boys*.
1: Brilliant, um, you know, back catalog there, like you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's too bad we didn't we couldn't get more from yes. him because uh, taken too early. Now we talked Conan a bit before, and I always I, I like the guy himself. He seems like a pretty down to earth guy. I think a lot of his stuff's out mm-hmm. there, but when he goes Hollywood or he goes to something that's not based on his own material somewhat, it seems to be it seems what. The Cornenberg, I like. I like Hollywood cornerberg Right. I think this so is. So we talked. I'm sorry, go ahead. We talked about. We talked about Scanners, um, which was kind of uh, independent in its own right, but it was still studio. The Fly, A um, um, History of Violence, and now we're talking The Dead Zone. Those are all films that I think are fantastic, fantastic films. Put my cards on the table there of Dead Zone, um, but when he goes on his own, little Cronenberg world. He just fucking creeps me out. Yeah, like shivers and stuff, and and, well, shivers, and, stuff yeah, and- yeah, crash and naked lunch, yeah. and you know, and then his. Well, we'll talk about his kid up down the road here, but he's kind of like zombie and Eli Roth when it comes now. Not these ones, not the ones, not the not the ones I just talked about, but the ones you just talked about, where he doesn't know when to quit. <laughs> and when pulled it back, you, we, we've seen enough. Um, But that's why... I, I guess you can actually, I use the word religiously. I would say I like more grounded Cronenberg.
1: Although I would argue, you I mean, you mentioned Rob Zombie and Eli Roth. I mean, those guys wouldn't hold a torch to Cronenberg in terms of talent. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You know, there's nothing...
0: let not say anything about talent. Yeah. The guy, but... Cronenberg needs no one to say lack cut. It's a lack of restraint that you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it has nothing to do with the talent behind the lens. It has to do with no one to say cut. Yeah. But, with that being said, that sounds like I'm bad-mouthing Cronenberg, and I'm not at all. Most of his stuff, like we mentioned, are quite solid, uh, and this is definitely one of them, as we talk the dead zone. Like that dead zone. Yeah. It's actually, I would also okay. say about Cronenberg, I actually really like him as an actor as
1: well, especially in Nightbreed.
0: Yeah, we talked about that before when we talked scanners. Yeah. Um and, and Jason <laughs> Jason in the space. Yes, next. Jason X. Jason <laughs> X. Um he's, he seems like he has a pretty good uh head on his shoulders and he's loyal to especially to the Canadian film market. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of actors in here are Canadian. Uh filmed in Canada. He's uh he's he's really loyal to um getting the uh Canadian arts out there and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um he's very loyal and I, I kinda I kinda respect that about him and so uh, there you go yep. he just he just knew, he just do not want to say cut
1: <laughs> not literal cut you, <laughs> you mean like a like a film cut as opposed to like
0: stab cut <laughs> uh, like like uh, like uh, the cool thing about this film it's such a small cast but man what an A-list cast Martin Sheen Christopher Walken Tom Scarrett who I love love Tom Scarrett, Brooke Adams Anthony Zerba who I like to see he's a good actor Herbert Loam Colleen Dewhurst, small role but brilliant. Nicholas Campbell, small role but creepy as fuck. And so they, yeah, it's, it's it's
1: an absolutely stellar cast, and they all are bring their A game to this film.
0: Let's talk the opening sequence, and I need to get this out of the way right now. We're first introduced to Johnny. We know he's a teacher, yes. and so is his partner Sarah. What the fuck is with the hair bowl haircut?
1: Uh, I, it was. It,
0: <laughs> it looked. He looked like a pedophile Harry Potter. It was the seventies. <laughs> Give me <a> break. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, he don't you know look like he, he looked like like one of those Lego action figures because they have that hair <laughs> just pop on top yes. of them, or one of those oh, troll dolls or something. Me. I don't know. What? What is a troll? No. The complete what are you talking about? That's his new hair. That's the hair we know yeah. about. That's his puffy. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the hair. It's all bowl cut. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: Well. Yeah. I mean, it was the '70s. It was of the time, and you know what I mean. I
0: thought he looked quite fetching with it. <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with you, man? <laughs> Jesus, take some more cold medicine. <laughs> Fucking hell, it looked horrible. Um, I do like the fact with hey, it's it's winter time. I got a surprise for you. Uh-huh. and he takes on a roller coaster ride. Must be fucking freezing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Now let me exp- let me talk about the when he's on the whole roller coaster, right, and he gets the headache, right. Why does he get the headache? So did he have this sixth sense thingy? Um, yes. It basically, before he got hit by the milk truck,
1: yes, it, it was basically it was always within him, and it was always almost bursting to get out. I think it's, I mean, obviously it's explained more in the novel by King, um, but I believe there was um in the original novel there is like he's involved in an accident when he's younger or something, but anyway, he's always had these psychic abilities, and they're all they've always been trying to, sorry, they've been trying to push themselves to the forefront, you know, um. But it's whenever he is in this you know, horrible car crash that he basically, and he's in a coma for five years, that he basically, you know, they
0: come to the, the forefront. Okay, okay. So he's already yeah. Yeah. All right, so when he's dropping her off after the roller coaster, she wants to bang boots. Yes. He doesn't want to. Is this their way of showing he's religious where he doesn't he wants to save himself a marriage. Is he a good boy? I mean that that, that that's one take of uh, on it, um, because he turns his back on God. Yeah, there's a great line coming up with Tom Skerritt. Yeah, that he says to him. But that's my point. And his parents are clearly religious, especially the mother. Yes. So I wasn't sure if he was that was I, his mother's influence. That, yeah, I
1: think that was that. Yeah, I think it was more the mother's influence. Who were she? She would have been, you know, she was deeply religious, and it was a case of, you know, she didn't believe in sex before marriage, and he was, you know, um, you know, obviously greatly influenced by her. So yeah, I think that was the mother's influence, but it also um, you know, works very well in terms of the plot too, because you know, before they actually have sex, you know, or you know, before they have their special moment together or whatever, well, it's ripped away from them, by a fucking milk float moment. or a. Milk truck.
0: Well, he, 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 special moment. What the fuck? Well
1: no, I I mean a no.
0: Special moment. I'm saying Yum Yum uh, Time, uh, knocking uh, boots, and you're like, oh, the special moment what do we fucking Hallmark Kieran, card? Karen some of us can be a classy at times if we want. Uh, and
1: you know, not not as out there. Even
0: you even you regret saying but it yes.
1: now shagging time alright <laughs> he was you know what I mean she was looking a shag and he decided that he didn't want to shag her until <laughs> they the get married or till the time was right or something like that okay you I don't happy don't
0: I <laughs> no I'm not Your shag's even worse alright then fuck oh. the, <laughs> oh, so. yum yum time as you say yeah yeah. so the, the 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 milk the guy falls asleep and the milk truck is rolling now, it's effective scene, don't get me wrong, I guess for the most part, but it's some bad editing here. Because there's a scene where it reminded me of, speaking of Shag, Austin Powers. Because here's the milk truck sliding down this road. I don't think he'll be doing that anyway, but we'll, we'll give it the benefit of the doubt. And he sees, oh my God, and he's like four miles away. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> stuff and then like that. Cut, and then you cut to... He's right in front of it. Yeah, there's an editing problem there, which kind of bot- took me out of it just a bit. Not at the end of the world, but it took me out just a Maybe. bit. Bad. You remember that scene with in Austin Powers when he's like, "No," <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the cars coming at him like really slow. He's like, "No." Stuff like that doesn't
1: bother me, and it could be it could have been a stylistic sort of decision, just you know, for to do with the impact of the crash or whatever. I don't know, but stuff like that
0: doesn't bother me. I can deal with stuff like that. Oh bullshit! This is Cronenberg. That's why. If this if this was my guys, like uh, I will say, uh, Ellen Wingard or something, <laughs> you'd be like, oh my god, do you not catch that? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm such a pro. I, I, I like my continuity. About,
1: um, things like continuity or characters behaving um out of character, no matter who the director is. However, with um things like I mean, a, a bit of sloppy editing or you know, rubbish special effects,
0: they don't bother me at all. Um. Yeah. You. Whatever, Mister. I hate CGI. Every time. Oh, she's just show crap. She's just crap. (laughs) Well, at least there's no CGI in this. Yeah, I know. I like practical. So, he wakes up at the Weizick clinic. Yes. Weizick, and here we meet. You know Herbert Lohm. Yes. He's Doctor Weizick. Um. or, Or as we know him as. Is he the Pink Panther? No, he's not Inspector Crusoe. That's Peter Sellers. He, Herbert Lom was the bad guy yeah. in the Pink Panther movies. Yeah,
1: right? I think so. Anyway, I haven't seen them in many years, and only saw them on TV. Like you know, was
0: he the Pink Panther? The Pink Panther was a jewel, I think. I I was. Oh, that's right. That's uh, right. I Herbert Lom was was Inspector Crusoe's boss. Something like that. No, I don't know.
1: Uh, my uh. dad and my were big fans of the Pink Panther um, films. Uh, you know the Sellers films. And um, yeah. when I grew, grew up, they sort of had them, you know, a box set of them on video and stuff. And they used to watch them stuff. I sort of have seen them, but I was just never that in the, big into them.
0: You know? So so when he wakes up, mm-hmm. we're now back to regular Christopher Walken hair. <laughs> yeah. You know, we want the Christopher Walken, and It looks like he just stuck his finger into, into the to plug wall Yeah. Exactly. So we got his hair back. Um, he's probably like, oh my head, my head is back. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I would have ran into a milk. Tr- I would have.
1: I would have ran into a milk truck. But sooner. there's nobody that can pull off wacky hair better and weird hair better than Crystal Walken, so no problem. Yeah,
0: I don't think you could ever change it because it's part of his persona now it's his character. <laughs> so there's a great scene where he. Sh- it shows how smart the character is because we know he's uh, yeah he's he's an English teacher yes. and obviously well read he was reading Ichabod Crane and all these Sleepy Hollows referenced quite a bit in this film Uh which is ironic because he plays the villain Sleepy that's Hollow right. in years to come yeah. but that's, that's a fucking great movie we gotta talk Sleepy <laughs> oh, Hollow oh yeah so Christopher Walken is so fucking creepy mm-hmm. in that alright anyways so he gets up. He wait. No, he just he get up. He, he sits up and he, he looks at himself, and he looks at the doctor, and he goes, "I'm healed." He's yeah, no bandages, nothing. So he's catching on. He kind of he process of elimination. Either it's a miracle that he wasn't cut or hurt, or B, he's been out for some time.
1: Yeah, how long have I here, basically?
0: Uh, yeah, he kind of catches on, and then he finds out it's been five years. And Sarah is now married and has kids. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, we talk about characters a lot here, and we talk about performances. And Christopher Walken is the kind of guy, before we know him as Christopher Walken, you know, when he went all out with the penguin, mm-hmm. and not penguin, sorry, he was in Batman 2, I forgot what he Shrek. But yeah, you I, and you know, a View to a Kill. Yes. You know all these over the top villains with the hair. He was in Deer Hunter and Dogs of War and all these other films before he became the zany kind of character act act, that he that that we know him Mm -hmm. for. And long story to get my point here. God, he sells it. I feel so sorry for this character. Walken is a brilliant actor. Now he
1: has obviously become typecast over the years and stuff and that's okay it gets him a lot of work on stuff but um, uh, what when it boils down to it you know what i mean he's got the acting chops you know he's very very he totally sells it here
0: well i think that's why the newer generation we all know him from tarantino films the great one lines and, and the great you know yeah. uh, great little cameos and the saturday Night live skits and you know, and he, he is the guy's a very talented, classically trained dancer. That's I guess right. you know the guy. The guy knows. You know, guy is born to do what he's doing. But I think the newer generation needs to see Brainstorm and all these mm-hmm. other other films I mentioned that he's done to show. Listen, at some point in time, Christopher Walken wasn't a, uh, a satire of himself. Yeah, it wasn't just a sort of he, rent a creepy villain. Yeah, there's more to him. You can say the same thing about Dennis Hopper. Oh, definitely. Uh, both those guys, I think, are known more for their balls-to-the-wall crazy fuck mm-hmm. roles rather than these kind of roles. But yeah, God, I felt so, so, so sorry for him. And then the nurse comes in, and he grabs her hand. and Another creepy scene where he's embedded in fire. The kid's in the same room. It looks so real. Yes. And it's so well done, because when he has these visions, he's in the room with them. Mm -hmm. And obviously, he saves the child's life, and this becomes
1: news. He becomes famous.
0: Yeah, which is something he doesn't want. Um, Now, let me ask you this. When he grabbed the nurse, it was a force grab. Like... A force draw from him to grab her hand. I think that's usually, no, that, that's usually not the way it no, works. No, no, usually not. He's originally, he's it shake
1: wasn't. Hand. He t- they touched, but then, whenever something was happening, then he sort of grabbed her hand. So, yeah, it it, it works through touch. It does. It does. It it definitely.
0: It she, she, with Greg Stilson later on and stuff. You know. No, I I know that. No, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you 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 not know what I'm saying. He wasn't near her. He wasn't touching her, and his hand went to her. In a forceful grab, like grab or kidnap or something. But that's usually not how it works. Usually, you just have to be self-aware, and you know, not self-aware, but just, uh, just you know, you shake somebody's hand, and boom, Mm -hmm. he gets a vision. So why would his hand make the motion? I don't
1: know. It's uh, um, maybe there was something. (sighs) Maybe there was something within him. You know, those psychic parts within him that you know, deep within him, deep, very deep within his subconscious, that. ...knew that this had to be done, you know what I mean, to see that vision and then to save the girl. Look, I, like the, I like the Doctor in this. I, I, yes, really, the I meant. love the Doctor. Can I just say as well yeah. um, that um, there, there's a strong sort of theme, I mean, you touched on it earlier there, a, str- a strong theme of God here and playing God... And, you know, what role does God have in, you know, our, our destinies, all of our destinies? And can we change our destiny, our God-given destiny and stuff? So that maybe ties in with that.
0: Yeah, could be. Could be. Um. Yeah. I suppose. Well, you know, Stephen King, you know what's funny? Well, Stephen King, you never know what you're going to get from hmm. him. Uh, but the one thing about Stephen, I don't. I think was, you know, Stephen King, you don't get a lot of religion with Stephen King. Oh, you do for, but I think <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I you do like Salem's a lot. And his books, too. Yeah. Okay, maybe take taken out for the adaptation for film, because mm-hmm. I don't read a lot of his stuff. But I will say that he, the one thing he does add to his films is all. I mean, not all of them, but most of his characters are. Have second sight, like like we have here. Yes. are telekinesis. You got the fireball kid from Firestarter. Yes. You got. They all have some kind of a gift or a curse. Yeah. On them, especially his older works, his first handful of films. Uh, technically, Christine, you could say the same thing. Yeah,
1: Carrie uh, as well, of but,
0: course. Yeah, well, I said that telekinesis, and so, but he, he does that a lot, and then he went to more children in peril, kind of, like the body, which became Stand By Me and it's It, and stuff, yeah. and, and stuff like that. He seems to have this this cluster of different, you know, I don't know. Tropes? Yeah, yeah, that's a good way. It was our, yeah, or characters, I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, I'm just talking No, no, you're probably. not, no, no. I mean, the, the, um, certainly the
1: psychic powers thing is a big King trope. Especially back in this era of, you know, the sort of late 70s, uh, mid to late 70s, um, early 80s. A lot of the stuff was about people with psychic
0: powers. With the doctor who is, I personally think, against what he has. He doesn't want him to have this. That was not his intent. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it's a scene where he tried to get him back to the hospital to try to control it and get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Because it's gonna kill him eventually, but when he tell when he grabs the doctor and he says, "Your mom's still alive." Oh, it's a tough scene. Yeah. When, when he brings then oh, the mom. Yeah, but he, but there's, but he doesn't. And Christopher Walken asks him, "Did you talk to your mom?" He goes, "He goes, you're right, she was alive." And he, oh, what would you say to her? I, I didn't, I didn't talk to her. Why? Because it wasn't meant to be. Goes back to the god thing, um, again. Yeah, yeah. don't fuck with mother nature. Yeah. Yabba yeah, yabba dabba dee. And that's where the dead zone comes in. We'll talk about that coming up here. Mm-hmm. Uh we'll move this along a little bit. We're kind of dragging it, but I don't give a fuck. I love dead zones. Yeah, comedy. it's a brilliant film. Yeah. So I, I love when he gets the fucking reporter. When that fucking prick starts so going, Oh, so you're oh you you can't see, you can't you want to touch me. Come on, Mr. He call, he's calling him a liar mm-hmm. and he's he's cl- you know a clown, yada yada yada. And he grabs him and he goes, You feeling guilty about your sister killing yourself? Yeah. He starts kind of taunting him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It was, pretty, it was a great scene. He deserved his comeuppance, but at the same time, yeah, it's harsh. <laughs> it's harsh. Yeah. It. It. But it shows. He calls him a freaking stuff. He goes, yeah, and he, yeah. yeah. Just get your get your hands off me! You, you, freak. Yeah. Um. Uh. So. Now we find out his mom's dying. I mean, Jesus, this guy's got the worst fucking luck I have ever. Yeah, but... <laughs> time yeah. Um, and it was a great scene when he's holding her hand. Mm-hmm. Now, I may ask you this question. Maybe there's a lot more religion in this than I thought. When the mom's dying and he grabs her hand, mm-hmm. that's when she passes. Yeah. So I have two things they could have went with in this one. One, was he kind of responsible because of his touch, let her go peacefully? Or they should have went, remember the scanners route? Mm-hmm. Where he can feel her passing. Yeah. Because he can see that. So yeah, I thought they could have went that route when he starts maybe maybe a little more emotion in his face, like tearing up. Yeah. And the father goes, what's wrong, son? And he goes, you don't want to know. Or, or no, he could have said something cool like, she's at peace. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. You know what I, I mean?
1: I mean, my take on it was that, you know, um, he basically, yeah, basically what you're saying there, my take on it was that basically he was with her right at the very end. And whenever he does touch her, you know, he's like almost... He's basically, I know physically, because he's, he's like holding her hand. But also but also spiritually, he's with her, you know, right
0: at the very okay. end. It was a nice scene, actually. Yes, it yeah, Very nice scene. So, uh, we're introduced to my boy, Tom Skerritt. Mm-hmm. And he's the sheriff and he comes to help. me. He you know, he's asking, "Can you help me find this killer?" Um, and the great thing about Tom Skerritt, we talked about the actors before they the, email, the uh, how good they are in this. Um, Tom Skerritt sells it as a sheriff who's confidence and knows he got to do his job, but at the same time he's scared and he can't he needs anything he can do to help well, he's desperate, me find this killer. But he, he's, desperate, he's desperate, but
1: he's also um afraid of walking. Um, and rightly so, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, but but I think he's desperate. From what I'm looking, he's reserved about it. He's he's like, um, he holds his own. Yes. What I mean by that, he's got pride. Mm-hmm. So, him doing this and asking this, you know, quite frankly, the freak, I guess you could say at the time, people don't know, and haven't asked for his help. It's almost beneath him, yeah, and he sells it well. As a desperate guy needing his help. Tom
1: Skerritt always reminds me of Tom Atkins. Akin, a-
0: what? doesn't look anything like him. He
1: does a bit. And it's just no, that manner of... Um, no, he, he doesn't. Does um, and their, their Whoa, manner acting as well is quite similar.
0: No, it's not at it all. It does a bit, yeah. No, it doesn't. Because they're both called Tom. Tom Atkins and Tom Skerritt look alike and they act alike. They, they do a bit. Put a picture next to Tom. Atkins. Okay, you know what? We need to stop his podcast. He's on cold medicine, people. So clearly, it's making him delusional. Fucking Tom Atkins looks nothing like. Tom. And I like Tom Atkins. I'm Don't not saying we'll he's his double
1: or his clone. What I'm saying is they he looks they nothing. put like
0: me in mind of each other.
1: Just in, how? They just do? Just the presence?
0: Yeah, because they have, they have the name Tom.
1: No, because they're physically um, they're just similarities. physically. No, he's
0: not. Tom Tom Skerritt's a tiny little man. Where Tom Atkins is like six foot I mean in their
1: face and stuff.
0: No! Yes!
1: He's got a huge chubby face, Tom Atkins, with the big white... (laughs) They they just remind me of each other.
0: I don't care. Oh, okay. Well, it's certainly you do care. Well, Christopher Walken and Eddie Murphy, (laughs) they're a mirror image to me. Uh, You know, I'm just telling you. Oh, my God. Oh my God! This, you ruined my moment. You ruined my. Day. <laughs> what? Ruined the fuck? <laughs> Anyways, so he yeah, so we asked him, and there's a nice lie where Tom Skerritt goes, "I'm not a religious man, but if God gave you this gift, maybe you know, you should you should you should use it." And he goes, "Oh, God gave this to me." He goes, "He threw a chuck at me." <laughs> He sent me to no, uh, nowhere for five years. My girl is gone. My job is gone. My my legs are about useless. Yeah, God's been a real sport to me. Yeah,
1: but it's a case of um, you know, but maybe all of this hell that he went through was for a purpose, and we find well, we find out later on that it is for a major. Yeah. Well, there's there's several purposes, but there's a major one, um, coming up
0: later on. I. <laughs> I, I, it was, it was kind of the first time where he lost his temper. Mm-hmm. He did it a little bit with the reporter, but this was the icing on the cake. I think he just had enough of everything, and he finally does lose it. And he, we have that walking ass kind of, you know, yelling. Mm-hmm. And in the next scene, he gets more grounded when Sarah comes over. Now, this is God. Why would you bring your fucking kid over to a house to sleep with the man? <laughs> to have an affair? Why would you bring your kid to that? Yeah, I know what you mean.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, it's a fucking
1: strange one. Like, yeah,
0: <laughs> you, you're like, mm, yeah, mm, thanks. Kevin. Yeah, I know it was
1: like the 70s and the 80s and stuff, but yeah,
0: <laughs> I love how oh, I love how you you yeah. bad haircut. It was the 70s, man. Yeah, um, uh, having an affair with your baby in the corner. Yeah, it's 70s, man. Yeah, it is. A, it is a fucking
1: weird one. Uh, I mean, they should have, like at at very least put the kid, <laughs> locked the kid in a different room or something, or put him to sleep or something. Or... <laughs>
0: locked the kid.
1: In. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have to
0: see that shit. You know, it wasn't what he did. To be fair, I think the kid was sleeping. No, they did put him in a different room, but still, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna knock boots, have an affair mm-hmm. on this kid's dad. I just think it was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, I don't know why she did it. She, yeah, but she did it for for because you always loved him.
1: Um, she always loved Johnny, and uh, in fact, that's confirmed in the very final line bar. Um, and it was just it was like the closure after them being denied their special moment, as I called it earlier. Um, <laughs> they're, they're basically their shagging time, after being denied it, it was basically taken away from them by a floating milk truck. <laughs>
0: Got milk. Yep. Well, I mean, there's a, I mean, there's surely
1: a metaphor there, <laughs> you know.
0: So pretty much, this is his virginity. Yes, she takes with yes. him. Um, and all of a sudden, once he's cleaned the pipe, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. he's 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 gonna help the sheriff. Yes, he's like, you know what? I'm feeling good now. Yeah. i got help that the off my mind. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So we got nine murders in a place called Casarock. Go figure, Castle Rock Exactly. Um Yeah. What I don't get, if you have nine murders in a small little town, the FBI would be involved in two seconds. Um possibly, I don't know. No, it's a serial killer at this point.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, well fair enough. <laughs> yeah. It's the seventies, right, man? Yeah. Hard hard <laughs> hard do you know the not involved, but I mean there were just maybe um... I don't know. Well, they're obviously they weren't, but um, you don't really see them. But uh, yes, f- far enough. I mean, I, to, to be honest, I'm not up. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be that up to speed with American law
0: and jurisdic- jurisdiction, jurisdiction and stuff. After after it's it's like after three killings, it's considered serial or something like that. So the FBI have to get involved. They have to take right. over. Maybe it's because it was Castle uh, Rock
1: and the FBI knew it was creepy as shit anyway. Because Stephen <laughs> King wrote it. And, um, said, uh, Fuck wait, wait, Stephen King out. lives
0: there. Stephen King lives there. No, he's in Bangor. He lives in Bangor, man. Mm-hmm. Doesn't he? I think it is. Uh, <laughs> best shot of the film right here. The scissors one? Best shot. No, but it's shot. Not scene. But yeah, scene. This whole scene is the best scene. Uh, but shot. Is the establishing shot when he decides I'm gonna go help these guys and they're in a tunnel. Yes. And all you have is the lights from the the car, and they're in this tunnel. The tunnel looks just dripping wet. It's ice cold. It's winter time, and they got their flashlights and they're just walking. And he's uh, Tom Atkins. I'm sorry, Tom Skerritt <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> is, is 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 walking toward us. It's just a nice shot. Something. Up, it's eerie. It'd be nice on a poster, mm-hmm. which I think is on a poster actually. It's definitely the best shot of the film, um, so I just want to give that shout out. Mm-hmm. But he, he he can't get a, a proper image. But as he's trying to find this proper you know, this image or this clue, they there's another victim. So they go to this gazebo. Yes, and this is where he finds out he touched the bodies there. So this gives him he full knew. on strength. And he knew her. He knew her. It's a great shot. It's a great scene with him. Because and even with Tom Skerritt and Frank and even the small town, they're all circling around this gazebo, and they're he's telling Frank to hold him off, no questions, hold him off. And again, you can see the look and desperation of Tom Tom Skerritt's face, and it's it, it's both actors just a listers here at their at at, at their craft, mm-hmm. and Christopher Walken is so in. Because it's the victim's right there, his vision's probably stronger, I guess. I you would can say, say but I imagine so. And he actually breaks down and says, I, I couldn't have st- I could have saved her. I was right there. I could have saved mm. her. And it's creepy he couldn't. It's just a vision. But it felt it like feels real he was to him. There. Yeah, exactly. And that's where he finds out he looks at him and he goes, It's Frank. Up,
1: up until then it, apart from the um the hospital scene with the nurse's child I don't think you ever had um a vision as vivid as this.
0: Yeah, I think the hit, the the one with the child was probably more of a nightmare looking ass kind mm-hmm. of uh where this one was Vivid. No, you know what you know what it could be? Maybe it's because he was able to help the girl save her. He's got that's fine. This one, the girl's dead. Mm-hmm. So that's the guilt kicking, and there's nothing he could do yeah. with this one. Yeah. Fair enough. Maybe that's what yep. it is. Ah, and, he saw, yeah, and, and plus the fact that he actually saw her being killed. Yeah. 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 <sighs> yeah, because he wasn't really prepared mm. for it. Uh, Colleen Dewhurst was always an, a, just a crazy actress. And then she does. And she's in this, this what, for like two minutes and she steals the movie. She's I, nuts. The, the she's so good in this. Yeah. She might have made Piper Laurie yep. and Carrie... Mm-hmm. Um, very overbearing mother and when they get to his house because he kills these girls with scissors mm-hmm. I think they're surgical scissors sutures are they sutures or I'm not, I not know, sure when I What a way to kill yourself yeah it's fucking brutal like um, so uh, but how did he
1: kill To be before the Krudenberg he does cut away with this you know
0: Oh, I couldn't watch that. No, I couldn't either.
1: Like, I mean, and I pretty uh, desensitized. But yeah, it's a brutal way to like do away with yourself. Um, yeah. And I think uh, I think it was even too much for Cronenberg. And that's saying something. Yeah,
0: yeah. I know he he finally went. No, this is too much for me. <laughs> Stick to body horror. Yeah. Don't worry, I'll make this up in the uh, Dead Ringers and, and The Fly. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, oh. it, it's um. It's it's yeah, but it's a very effective scene. Oh, it's just. Ugh. I remember seeing this when I was when I was when I rented it, in like '84 or something like that, and watching it, and I was like, oh my god! And I kept looking at it, and it's a great scene. I'm not disrespecting it, but would that have killed him? Because it looked like there was a sticking out of his mouth.
1: Um. Well, depending on the tra- trajectory. Uh, Maybe.
0: Yeah. You know. Yes. Uh, I mean.
1: I wouldn't advise anyone at home to fucking try
0: it, let's just say, just to find out. Like our last podcast, we talked about, you know, even though you might be able to survive a black bear attack, don't do it. Disclaimer, you know what I mean? Do not try this at home. No offense, if you're going to try this at home, just go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're an idiot. Uh, I'll probably get in trouble for that, I don't care. Um, So... What the film plays like to me, and it almost plays like an anthology. Yes, and the reason I say that because you had the nurse story, you have the Castle Rock killer, you had Stewarts, uh, you know the Stewarts family. we to talk about Chris, and then you had Stilson's, you know, story, yeah. which would end it all. Um, and his, uh, most anthologies will always in a side story in between the stories. It's definitely um, a film
1: of two halves at least, you know, yeah. with the first, you know, the, obviously you're establishing um, Johnny Smith and his powers um, and then, you know, the serial killer thing. But once the serial killer storylines wrapped up about halfway
0: through, we'll then move on to Greg Stilson. When you meet the Stuarts, and he's going to help Chris come out of his shell and he, he does it pretty quickly, but that's nice, you know, because they, they're, they're kind of recluse. So they kind of get along mm-hmm. and, and you've got the father with his Roger who I kind of like, but he seems he's a very, um, is he tech? Yeah. He comes off. He, he's at first. he seemed like a loving father, but he's just more abrasive. Yeah. He's quite self-centered and, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, right, opinionated in the world type thing.
0: We won't dive into this whole one because we're gonna jump into the stills one here. But the whole scenario with the when he grabs Chris' hand and he says, "Don't do it. Don't do the go. Don't do the hockey match." Yes, kids are gonna break through the he ice. smashes the ornament. And, yeah, and then Rogers like, "Okay, yeah, no problem. Cool. That, yeah, you're cool, man, Frico." We're not going to do it. And then Roger tells Chris to get ready. We're going to go outside and go play hockey. Mm-hmm. He's like, No, I'm not going. He goes, Whatever, you little brat. And sure enough, he, when before this all the ice breaks, he, he grabs Chris's hand mm-hmm. and he's there's nothing there. Yes. So Chris is, so he's like, God, yeah, cool. We're good. He See survived. That. So yeah. you now he thinks he's going to survive because no more visions. But obviously, kids die because the father's a prick. And still has the uh the event. Mm-hmm. And there's a nice shot where he walks over he runs over to the house because he knows he read the paper that all these kids these couple kids died during this hockey incident. And the father's completely comatose now. Mm-hmm. The father is it's a tough arc, but it's a it's a learning curve for him. Oh, it's a big learning curve. And, yeah. His arrogance, self righteousness, yeah, and all this came a full circle at the lives of these kids. Mm-hmm. And And he just wanted to make sure Chris was okay. But at the same time as well,
1: you know, looking at this from a sort of logical real world sort of point of view, if somebody, like, said to you, come up to you and said, hey, don't go to work um, on um, you know Wednesday or whenever it is uh, because you're going to be involved in an accident, I'm psychic, you'd say, really? Get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? So there's a good conflict there, and it's sort of, it's understandable the father... At first, not believing and that sort of thing, you know, you know. So yeah, I mean, it, it works from both characters' points of view.
0: No, it I mean it it, it does, and it, it, but for the film, we're talking. He's talking. This is where he starts talking to the doc again. Yes, because he's finally getting back on his feet. Doesn't need the stick as much, the cane as much, mm-hmm. and he tells him, "I want you to come back." to the facility so we can get rid of this thing maybe the less time less you use it you could be in your background back of your mind because every time you do this it's killing you Mm -hmm. because he's getting the nosebleeds the massive headaches Mm -hmm. it's going to eventually lead to like an embolism or hemorrhage whatever
1: it's like all sort of stories about somebody who acquires this sort of supernatural power even superhero stories you know who acquire a power there's always a price it's
0: always killing them you know yeah yeah but this is where he tells the doctor about Chris and the vision he had about the kids coming through mm-hmm. the ice. And then when the father says he wasn't going to do this, uh, Chris still survives, so he didn't see anything mm-hmm. when he touched his hand, knowing the father wasn't going to put Chris in mm-hmm. harm's way. But the doctor said that's they call it, this is where they call a dead zone. Yeah. This is the, the film's title. It's where there's nothing there. It's, it's just empty, empty. The news. future's been changed type thing, or the can g- be changed. Yeah. Um, also, um, I would
1: say at this point as well that um, I believe the meaning of the phrase Dead Zone, the title, is different in the book. Um, you know, slightly different, where it's more to do with, um, I think, um, where it's more to do with the the zone that he goes to to actually see these visions, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like tweaked in, slightly in for re- the film. Well I'll simplify it. That's that's fine with me. One line one line sentence. There you go, there's dead mm-hmm. zone. <laughs> yeah. It's when there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. Everything everything's everything's okay. It sounds like Dead Zone would be bad.
1: Yeah. Well it's meant to sound sort of sort of weird and spooky. Yeah. Like a black hole. Yeah, A black hole oh, of the mind. The
0: mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, so we when he takes Dilson's hand, find out he's going to cause nuclear war. So, he's got no choice but to kill himself and kill mm-hmm. him. Because he knows this is a one way ticket. He also knows he's dying pretty much. So, what better way to die than to save the kill world? Kill the man who saved the world. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I do love the fact when he grabs the baby, just a pretty good little stump baby there. That baby was real. And he's just winging it around as it's he's going to be a real kill. sort
1: of fitting sort of downfall for him. Because he was such a fucking oh, card I'm, and a fake.
0: Oh, I know. Like And then when he, he holds up the baby, and, and he's and then he's in the cover. T- and then when he grabs, as he sh- as they, kill, they kill Walken. Oh, let me ask you this. When they shoot Walken. Yes. Right? After he misses, or doesn't get the shot off, whatever happens. He he shoots. They shoot Walken. Then you see the light fixture behind him explode. Yes. Was that the bullet coming directly out of him, or was that his, his psychokinesis I, second sight thing exploding the electric vibe behind him because he's dying? I, f- I thought personally, my take on it was it was the psychokinesis. Okay, it's not, it's not, it's second it's sight, second sight, yeah. yeah. But it's I get them all confused. You're right, yeah. He uh, is is has that that when he took that hit and the light explodes behind him, that's not the bullet coming out of him. That's his... I felt it was his power. Or whatever. Yeah. His power's going, oh, we're fucked. Yeah, yeah <laughs> pretty much. Um, so it
1: was. But, um, yeah.
0: And when he grabs Stilson's hand, why'd you do this? And he sees that Stilson sees the front of Time Magazine. Was you're finished? He's holding the baby and he kills himself. Yeah, he was you're finished. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There you and go. What a sad he, he,
1: then movie. it's quite an emotional ending as well. Then um, you know where she then confesses that she loves Johnny and stuff, and you know t- he dies
0: in her arms. Yeah, it's it, it it's a not. I don't know. It's a downer, yeah, but at the same time, this is he was this was his only. This out. was his
1: journey. Yeah, this was this was the, the 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 greatest resolution he could really hope for. I mean, he saved the world. Um, you know, his woman told him she always loved them. So yeah, good on him. <laughs>
0: and what a guy! Yeah, that that, that nice romantic moment. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> After saving the world through um some sort of psychic powers. <laughs> oh fuck! Uh,
0: yeah, this is a, this is a good one. I think you like both. Agree. It's <laughs> Um, yeah, it's fast paced too. Yep. Um, it, it it's tightly yeah, edited. Now, I know you um were
1: mouthing off about the editing earlier, uh, but uh, more in a different sort of um, context. But I think it's very tightly edited together. To, to you know the scenes. Um, uh, there's a point to every scene. It pushes the plot along. Uh, pushes it forward. It's just uh very tightly scripted, tightly edited. Um, uh, very effective. Uh, one of the best supernatural thrillers of the eighties, I would say.
0: It's uh yeah, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Besides the besides the milk truck scene, <laughs> but yeah, no, I hands down, and it's it's pretty much Christopher Watkins' vehicle. It's he makes the film. The supporting cast support him, and, and it works. Martin Sheen's <laughs> brilliant as well. And Tom Skerritt and Colleen Dewhurst. Tom, Tom Atkins. Tom Holm, Tom <laughs> Atkins yeah, he's good. You, you know when you when you when you look back at what you said. And you hear the conversation. They've just and always reminded at me at at each of
1: each other. I mean, I'm not okay, saying I that they I just, are. Let's, the let's, move just, uh, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. I'm not saying that this <laughs> is dead ringers. They're nightingale. Um, I'm let's, just saying that it's let's just, just move on. like they do remind me of each other in certain
0: respects. Chill. Out. Uh, okay. Anyways. Anyways. Oh my god. Let's just end this. Is endless. <laughs> Tom um. Yes, guys, um, give us a shout on Citizen Frame underscore podcast at Instagram and, of course, on Facebook. The new issue of PhantasmGoria is out now, available on Amazon across the world, and, of course, Forbidden Planet locally, and the new place that I keep forgetting the name of in Pennsylvania.
1: Phantasm Comics.
0: There it is. I should actually remember that one because it has half your name yeah, in exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, um. Alright guys, thanks for listening. We're going to follow this up by accident. Just didn't even think about it, but it's a pleasant surprise. Another Stephen King will be talking creep show.